You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. And since it's Thursday, you know it. It's that time of the week. A bit of artsing around with the one and the only, Andrew Dembinski. How's it going, Andrew? Hey. <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. How are you? I'm Noreen fine, thank Mir. you. <laughs> um, Andrew <laughs> Dembina. Uh, the reason I mentioned Dembinski is because there's actually a, a story behind... Have you ever been called Dembinski before? Well, okay, I haven't been called it, but uh, I used to do a lot of writing for guidebooks on Hong Kong and southern China. And uh, one of them that was produced, it was actually, it was a Michelin style uh, weekend guide was the, the, the edition, uh, which is more of a travel thing than a food guide, really. And they misprinted my name, Dembinski, the family name. I brought it in. I, I was working full time at Radio 3 at that time with you Noreen and I had to I just I mean I did find it funny annoyed slash funny is how I felt so I so so I did I brought it in and just wanted to show people because I couldn't believe it had been done I don't know how on earth my name changed from Dembina to Dembinski but um yeah I uh, I, I got it. We've with, not been able to sort of shake it off. No, I mean, occasionally. not to erase it completely from the old memory bank. It seems. Sorry, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. I just thought yeah. our listeners could do with a with yeah. a laugh. How a on laugh. earth? How on earth did they really just misprint a name? I mean, I can understand if if a na- uh, like the A changed to the E or I, mm. you know, just something small. But no, it, was, it was several letters. I, I I followed up with the publisher or person who commissioned me, like the editor in chief or whatever of the guides. And he uh, he said, oh, yeah, I think I used to know someone called Dembinski. It didn't pick my interest to then try and sleuth who the Dembinskis are in this world at all. It was just a minor irritation and quite funny to mention in the office. And to see it in print as well. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. you have yeah. a great sense of humour. So on to this week's uh, Art Sing Around. What, what have you got for us today? Yeah. Well, now and then, I'll dive straight in it's, it, it, with a couple of uh, international items, light-hearted at first. Now and then, arcing around this segment every Thursday afternoon on your show, mentions something about the pop world. But usually, when I say pop, I mean pop music. Usually it's about concerts, music festivals, or we've sometimes had art exhibitions that are even by performers who have a, a lesser-known artistic talent, or it could be about a certain pop movement. We've had a few exhibitions and even museums of hip-hop, ska music, and all of these interesting things that have been popping up around the world. This week, though, something a bit different. Korean boy band BTS, who I'm sure you've heard of, Noreen, being a finger on the pulse of the uh, the youth's music of today. That's right. I love a bit yeah. of BTS and a bit of uh, right. Blackpink as well. Love these Korean... Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're into that K-pop stuff. Well... They, then you may you may know that they uh, they premiered that's a BTS the boy band their new single last Friday um, just Friday just gone a music video and it instantly went into the US Billboard charts weekly public poll as as the number one spot so fans in America Billboard charts I don't know if everyone has to be registered in America who votes on the public poll that they get from people who want to enter their, um, you know, their reflection of how the fans mm, feel. Yeah. But it went straight to number one. And uh, the, the single is called Amazing. Permission to, to Dance. Yeah, it's co-written for the second time one of their singles has been co-written by English big-name pop star Ed Sheeran. So that's an interesting collaboration. When, when perhaps when some of us have heard Ed Sheeran's music, 
think of him as a bit kind of um, folk pop acoustic guitar man, um, or at least he was some years ago when he first came out. So to be to be uh, co-writing something for real, um, very much well Korean bubblegum pop really. I mean it's catchy stuff, but it's far removed from what he does. Interesting, and um, yeah, BTS got 64% of the vote, um, beating. New music by Billie Eilish, Justin Bieber, and Post Malone, just to mention three of the most uh, famous that had just released things too, and the BTS just took the the lead over them. Oh. The Korean, sorry, I, I was I was going to say, you know, uh, just um, a fun fact, if you like, BTS yeah. they've collaborated, I think, twice with Ed Sheeran, and they've never yeah. they've never even ever met Ed Sheeran before. <laughs> that I didn't know. That is very interesting. So, uh, uh, although, although I guess, yeah, I mean, this happens a lot. Happens in a it lot of different lot. types of music. These collaborations yeah. are just sort of, um, well, I guess, not online, but ver- they're done remotely. Remotely, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, and mixed by the uh, producers. Um, yeah, just just getting high quality sound files, audio files as required. Well. The, the 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 BTS though they already have in the Billboard charts a single they released six weeks ago called Butter which has been around for quite a while and it's been in the top 100 and so this one's now topping it they got two top 10 hits it should be mentioned that whenever BTS decided whenever it was to conquer the overseas pop market outside of Korea itself where they started and had a big fan base it switched from having its Korean lyrics to a few words in English at first, and then these days almost totally fully English lyrics. So those two singles that are riding high in the top ten, including the number one spot of the Billboard charts, are fully English lyrics. So it's obviously a decision that's been made by them or their management to to conquer the world with their music. And uh, also I checked out when I was just researching this, the official Butter video, which came out a mere six weeks ago, has had... 600 million views. That's the official version of that video on YouTube since it was released six weeks ago. That's pretty outstanding. So, uh, yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. Is that is that on rotation in the uh, in the R three playlist? Do you know, Noreen? Yeah, no, uh, we've, got, we've got BTS butter. songs, uh, but I'm not sure if right. Butter is there. Let me just have a quick right. look. Yeah, yeah. Well, well okay. While while Noreen's doing that, I will move on to the second topic, which is very different. And it's, uh, it's a question posed by a kind of long-read BBC article on the arts over the last few days. I think it was at the weekend, actually. The BBC asked the question, can the arts lead a green recovery after COVID? And mm-hmm. I, the question's being asked because we hear all the time from many different industries a lot of it to do with food and drink rather than the arts have been contributing to a lot more waste um, that is not always um, environmentally friendly of the environmental kind during the COVID period, you know, takeaways, stuff like that. But the, the BBC asked that question uh, of the arts and culture sector as it attempts to recover from the devastating impacts of the pandemic itself with museums, art galleries, theatres and all other kind of performance areas and visual arts venues being shut down uh, during various lockdowns to emerge and then be shut down again over a period of a year or so. Um, it's, it, it does happen, though, that during this time, a lot of the management of venues have been, and artists and musicians themselves, have been 
thinking about how to do things in a more environmentally uh, sort of good way to contribute to society. Some organisations do still face uncertainty that worries them more than issues like environmental concerns, you know, whether they can actually survive to produce their art, but others, probably I guess the ones that are better funded, have been trying to do their best to rethink ways that they can use um, use their art collections in art museums that they have in vaults. You know, the big art museums around the world, including ones like, let's say, the Museum of Art in Chimsatroy, do have fantastic collections. Now, mm. the, uh, the Art Museum in Chimsatroy, of course, is, a, is run by a government department, um, but uh, it, it, there are some government-run uh, institutions or those that get subsidies in other countries too. Some of them are also mostly run by their own fundraising efforts in in other in other places like um places like the tate gallery that has various uh, has about four of them in the uk now and others but they they do they do um have decided in the uk according to this bbc article that they are looking at their carbon footprint beyond covid you know there's not been much travel or even time to allow the public in so so while some of these offices have been still operating in the uk they've been rethinking how they can reduce their contribution to global warming uh, before we came on air today Nori and i were just talking about how sweltering it is here you know the whole the whole world it's funny covid has slowed down the world and yet we're experiencing a week of mid 30 degree c temperatures over here where at a time where we'd imagine that uh, asia may be recovering faster than some other parts of the world but I don't think everything is still operating at full speed, yet records are being broken in terms of high temperatures, aren't they? So it's it's different areas of the arts thinking about how they can Pivot do their bit. in a way. Yeah, yeah. 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 And also, it's, it's both contribute to um, to using more more environmental materials in their canteens and cafes, reducing aircon going for natural ventilation which is easier to do when you're not in a you know a subtropical climate like hong kong of course uh, but also doing things that are good for the local community um in a different segment that i do on tuesdays uh, that we, we we did talk about how some hospitals for food are growing their own and feeding it through their hospital canteens while this hasn't happened with galleries in this report by the bbc there are galleries that are reconnecting with the community through nature in other ways by growing parks that aren't growing edible items but are places that offer people a place to sit and enjoy well planted with sculpture gardens so in wakefield in west yorkshire for example there's a barbara hepworth museum which is the late barbara hepworth was one of the leading sculptors of the 20th century doing abstract sculpture um so her work's a little bit like um henry moore who has some pieces around exchange square in hong kong and the um around there was some adjacent free lands next to the hepworth museum in wakefield and the gallery managed during the last year to have access to that was, a, was, a, was granted that by the government in Yorkshire and to start to transform the wasteland next to it, you know, pretty much concreted area, into a new public garden. And as with the hospital 
idea that I'd mentioned in the uh, Tuesday food segment. They used local volunteers who were more than happy to come in and contribute to the way the garden would be planted and also found a way to connect with the local community and then started maybe to pay attention to the to the art gallery that was the one who was actually getting this project going people who might not normally walk into an art gallery full of modern sculptures they found that more people were coming in and having a having a drink when uh, when food and drink things were still operating during covid times or having a look at the artwork out of curiosity they mm-hmm. might not have stepped in had they not become embraced as part of the community for a community project doing uh, doing some uh, garden ten, uh, tending really so that's 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 pretty good um and uh, it, back in london and i mentioned the tate galleries before two years ago the tate gallery group as, as i said have four galleries now declared uh, a climate emergency this was um in yeah 2019 and they pledged to cut their carbon footprint by 10 percent in 2023 and it should be mentioned that that target in 2019 that was mentioned to be cut by 10 percent by five years later the uh that was already on top of a 40 percent reduction of uh of, of carbon emissions since 2007 so they'd already uh, achieved 40 percent reduction from 2007 within uh just over a decade and they've cut it again they found that they can find ways to streamline it even more by 10 percent so all of these things coming from the arts um, are, are an interesting thing but something actually on stage when pieces have been performing when they've been allowed to have um, different either concerts or uh, drama put on stage or dance something really interesting that happened is that one uh, one organization from the South Bank Centre in central London recently presented an entire production by the resident London Sinfonetta Orchestra who powered the whole auditorium using cycle power. They, they, they hooked up some bike machines with, with uh, dynamos that operated generators. And from that, they managed to get all lighting and electricity for stage lights and sound amplifiers to be generated by members of the Sinfonetta who were not performing at the time. Whoa. And I didn't say... Yeah, I didn't send you a picture of this. I meant to, Noreen, but, but there's a, there are pictures around on the internet if, you, if anyone wants to have it, wants to check out London Sinfonetta um, of the production team uh, doing a lot of cycling, getting a bit of energy done before the performance to power up the stage and amplifiers and lights. Pretty cool idea, actually. And uh, the composer was saying that it's something that they all put their heads together and just concocted. They thought about how could they make a little contribution to uh, to climate change. It's not going to make a huge amount, but for their performance, they managed to do it. And they hope that other um, that other production companies might start thinking along the same lines. The other companies don't get much more creative in the UK than another one that was mentioned called, talking about bikes again, the Handle Bards. B-A-R-D-S, Bards as in the uh, the playwright Shakespeare is often called the Bard. So the Handle Bards, which sounds rather like handlebars, of course, it's actors tour around Britain by bicycle, performing Shakespeare using only the props that they can carry in their backpacks. So 
It's an all-female troupe that's currently on the road in the UK right now, staging Macbeth in locations throughout Scotland and the north of England. And they literally um, don't have that many props because everything is in a day backpack that they have on each of their backs while they're getting around from one venue to the other between Scotland and the north of England. And um, the only, they do use one electric van, 100% electric van, that carries their stage because they have to set up their own stage and that goes into a fully electric van. So that's, that's quite radical in a way to be combining a touring Shakespeare um, uh, roster of plays, currently Macbeth, but, um, but, but doing it all by bicycle around Amazing. the country exactly. in the north at the moment. Yeah. Um, so the conclusion of, of, of all this really is that the arts are under real great scrutiny on green issues. Uh, they feel, a lot of the production companies feel that they come under the spotlight a bit more or they owe it to people to be more uh, green and, and, and aware. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because they're, because they're often touring. And, uh, and they have, maybe they have to rethink about, I wonder if they'll rethink about whether they would accept uh, the opportunity which people would normally celebrate if they're a performer of going abroad to perform. Because as, as I mentioned at the start of this particular segment today, that art galleries are looking to use what they have in their own vaults to rotate exhibitions rather than have so many overseas exhibitions coming in from abroad in the future number of the big art galleries in the UK have said that. So we'll see how much how, how much does get changed when things, whenever that may be, return to full normal. Um, so that's, that's a couple of things in the world uh, outside of Hong Kong. Locally then, just for the, the, the last part of uh, this uh, arcing around segment today, just looking at a couple of things that are on. Um, in Hong Kong, from tonight, there's a collection of virtual exhibition, webinar, and other online activities that launches from this evening. Uh, and it's called Myanmar Voices, We Are Still Here. And it's presented by the local gallery, Karen Weber Gallery in Hong Kong. That's a, that's a very established uh, gallery that's been around in the uh, Hollywood Road area for a long time. Um, and it's looking at events that have been happening around Myanmar and whether the arts are still able to reflect social issues, whether they're able to exist on non-social issues. In a nutshell, the virtual exhibition and webinars are highlighting the fact there is still an art scene there, not just in fine art, but also a little bit in performance and also in literature, poetry and fiction writing. And it's highlighting the resilience, the fact that these areas of the arts are still going on in Myanmar among contemporary artists since the coup uh, has taken place in the country, which has been in, of course, a lot of disarray. And it's all curated by um, a Southeast Asian modern and contemporary art scholar whose name is Melissa Carlson. So this evening there's uh, a webinar kicking off tonight from 6 till 7 p.m. And you can, you can join four artists and curators all about visual arts in uh, Myanmar. And tomorrow morning there's a second webinar which has a Burmese or Myanmarese poet and, um, and literature writer, uh, established ones, both of them. And then on Saturday, you can drop into a gallery webcam live stream that's going to beam wow. in from the Burmese, yeah, from the Burmese <laughs> capital, Yangon. Wow. And yeah, the, the, yeah, the invitation is you can join them for a virtual cup of tea or something a bit stronger and a conversation about art. It actually says, the organiser says, 
or you can simply take a nap while looking at a painting or two. (laughs) So if you want to know more about that, yeah, go to the Karen Weber, and it's K-A-R-I-N-W-E-B-E-R gallery, karenwebergallery.com, and you you need to register for those things. Really, really quickly, if I may, I've got time, right? Yeah, go for one One last one. Yeah, Um, uh, something also different again in Wong Suk Hang, which is uh, home to a number of galleries, as we've mentioned before, who moved there some time ago when a lot of industrial buildings were converted to galleries. There's a showing of locally made art films. Blind Spot Gallery is presenting for the third year running something called Play and Loop 3. And it's the uh, summer video screening program that they've been becoming known for for local short filmmakers. There are four films that are going to be shown um, over a period of a couple of weeks each, and the whole thing is going to go on until September. So every couple of weeks, the short films are going to change. You can check out the roster on their website, which is blindspotgallery, that's all one word, .com, and find out more about the schedule of videos that, are, as I say, will run until September the 11th, and they're kicking off this Saturday, July the 17th. So installations will be also accompanying the screenings. There can be some interesting contemporary uh, installations by local artists who are usually the Blind Spot Gallery, Gallery champions, artists who have been graduated between about three to ten years. So it's really a good way to see some very contemporary local Hong Kong artists' work, in this case, with a bit of film and video focus. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Andrew, and for so many great showings. You've got local and some international. I was going to play a, a BTS song for you, but we've only got a couple. Hey. Uh, oh. Fake Love and Boy <laughs> With Love uh, featuring Halsey. So, um, and, and I could see that Steve's already bagged it in his own playlist. I won't be able to play. <laughs> I know. Either. Typical. Typical of Typical Steve. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to stay tuned for his show for a bit of BTS. But meanwhile, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Andrew. Andrew Dambina, thank have you. a lovely weekend, and I'll chat to you next week. You thank you so much. Thanks, Noreen. Have a good afternoon. Bye.